27 verses of chapter 21 that we covered last time. So remember that this is after the Ten Commandments, and this is what what um, God speaks to Moses and says to put these put these judgments before the people of Israel. So after the Ten Commandments, again, these are case law that run all the way from the end of Exodus chapter 20 all the way to the end of chapter 23, often called the Book of the Covenant. Um, And so they are, although they are not the Ten Commandments, uh, many of them refer to the Ten Commandments. In fact, you would, you would probably say that all of them are tied to the Ten Commandments. And they are all just as authoritative as the uh, Ten Commandments. They're all just as much a part of God's Word as, as the words that he spoke out loud to the people of Israel. So last week we grouped um, these judgments or these case laws into, into four groups. Um, we covered the first three of those, which were... Uh, Hebrew slave cases, and uh, again, kind of the bigger points from that are that, that this is not like the slavery uh, in our past. Hebrews were to make were to treat their slaves much differently, much better than any other nation treated slaves. For for one thing, they were allowed to leave after six years, and um, Moses in Deuteronomy tells the the masters to supply the the slaves richly when they leave. It's really a model for um, how we can treat people in employment differently than the world treats them. So we can take the principles there um, that that are in those those cases and, and apply them very practically to what we do today. In fact, I got, got an opportunity this week to, to use the Deuteronomy passage to talk to somebody about um, somebody who was in a position to talk to, uh, to hire and fire and things like that about, about how this passage informs us and how, as how we are to live as Christians. Next, we had death penalty cases. Um, and the, the main point there was that our respect for life really depends on or, or is, is consistent with the death penalty because our life is so important because we are created in the image of God that, that really um, not applying a death penalty in, in some cases is, is really a miss, is really an injustice, you would say. Next, we had serious bodily injury cases, which the, the guiding principle there is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. Um, but there are some exceptions to that, and many of the death penalty cases are eye for an eye, but not all of them. And so we'll, tonight we'll begin with this section, which is the end of chapter 21, Injury to Livestock. Cases. We'll do it really quickly. We'll we'll read through it. I'll comment as we go through it. Try to get the big um, points, kind of the general principle that's there, um, and then why that there why there might be exceptions. This this amount of material isn't really conducive to something like a three point lesson. Um, so so we're going to have uh, many more points than that. Again, trying to hit the big principles because they still apply to us. Uh, regardless of the is, if the individual specific things do not apply to us, so um, we'll go right to to that those cases beginning in Exodus twenty one verses uh, twenty eight to thirty six. So that's through the end of the chapter. So these are all cases involving injury, um, dealing with livestock, both to people and to the livestock themselves. So, uh, Exodus 21, 28, When an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall not be liable. So that's the general principle. I mean, we might think that's a little harsh. We're stoning an animal that doesn't know better than to gore a person. Well, it, it's actually based not 
Well, it is based on the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments are really kind of based on this principle that goes clear back to Genesis 9 that we've talked, that we talked about a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago, that Genesis 9, 5, and 6 says this, And for your lifeblood, this is, this is now God speaking to Noah, And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning from every beast, I will require it, and from man. So animals that kill humans are to have their their guilty and of a crime against God. Because this, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall shall his blood be shed. And here's the reason. For God made man in his own image. So, so in this case that we were looking at, looking at, the ox killed the person, the owner did not. So the ox is liable, the owner is not liable. The ox must die, the owner lives. And that's the general principle. But there are some exceptions, and here, here's one of those right away. But in next verse, verse 29, but if the ox had been, has been accustomed to gore in the past and its owner has been warned but has not kept it in and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned still and the owner shall also be put to death. Okay, so that, that's, a, that's a principle based on the sixth commandment Thou shalt not murder, or thou shalt not slay a person. It brings out the duty that we have, not just not to kill somebody personally, but to make sure that things that are under our control, under our authority, are not the cause of a person's death. We have a duty to preserve the life of people because they are created in God's image. So that's why, and, and many laws that we have in the United States are based on these very case laws um, in, in Scripture that you find here. This is why when you travel down the interstate and somebody's working on the shoulder, they put up barricades and signs and have you slow down, right? Because we are, our car is under our control. And we, it is our responsibility to use that car in a way that does not harm someone. And so when it says, slow down to 55, we slow down to 55. Because it's our responsibility not to harm someone. It's our responsibility to obey those traffic laws, in a case, especially in cases where people get, get hurt. It's why, as believers, we don't go out and drive intoxicated. We're not supposed to get intoxicated anyway, but we don't. We never want to be drunk, and we certainly wouldn't ever want to put ourselves in a case where we endanger someone else because of our actions or things that belong to us. Um, it's the same principle that 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 makes it so that if you go out on your deck and it's more than a certain distance from the ground, it has a railing on it by law. Right? It's so that the, our laws are based on this. So that, that people won't walk out your door and fall off the deck. Right? And injure themselves. So we're responsible for those things. But, but even though the, this case says, and the owner shall also be put to death. Because the owner's responsible when his ox gores somebody. If you know your ox is goring, so it has a tendency to gore. Uh, and so we are responsible for that. But the penalty is less emphatic than, than the cases we looked at where it said last week, and he shall surely be put to death. Now, the ESV doesn't bring this out as well in those other cases, but, but this, is a, this is what it says here in really good translation. The owner shall also be put to death. The, the surely isn't there. It's a little less emphatic than the death cases we said last time. And probably the reason for this, 
is that if a ransom is posed on, imposed on him, then he shall give the redemption of his life, whatever is imposed on him. So this isn't the case in those cases, the death penalty cases that we looked at last time, where you can redeem your life, where you can buy it back. But in this case, you can. Uh, you can pay a price for the life rather than be killed. The owner is still responsible for the life, but has to pay a ransom instead of being killed if that is what is demanded of him. Um, and this goes on to the next subcategory of this. If the ox gores a slave, male or female, the owner shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver and the ox shall be stoned. And it doesn't mean that, that, the, that the, the slave or the servant that we talked about last time is, not, is any less in God's image, but the penalty is lowered. Well, the servant has accepted a lower status. The servant has accepted to be treated like another person owns him or her, either by selling himself or selling a family member or by not being able to pay a bill and being assigned, as we'll see, to the role of slavery. So the servant is treated differently because the servant has chosen this. Right? Hebrew slaves, Hebrews were not to enslave people like their, their own people like other nations do. Um, so the price that is paid here, the 30 pieces, uh, 30 shekels of silver, is based on the price of a servant, the value placed on a servant. And when a man opens, this is a new case now, and when a man opens a pit, so you dig a pit, or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restoration. Makes, makes complete sense, right? He shall give money to its owner, and the dead beast shall, shall be his. In other words, you pay for the animal that fell into your pit and it died. You get to keep it, right? But you pay for it. Makes perfect sense. And when one man's ox butts another's, so that it dies... Then they shall sell the live ox. Okay, so here's, here's the case. I have an ox, you have an ox. They fight. My ox kills your, your, your ox. Okay? We sell my ox. And you, we share the price. We split the price of my ox when we sell it. And we also split the animal, the dead animal. Right? These are two, two oxen. They're not too bright. Um, they don't have... Uh, probably, in, well, in this case, this first case, they don't have a habit of goring in the past because verse 20, 36 says this, Or if it is known that the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past and its owner has not kept it in, he shall repay ox for ox, and the dead beast shall be his. So he, the other person gets to keep the live one rather than selling it and splitting it. Uh, and the dead beast goes back to the one who, who had it, um, who had the the goring ox. So, all perfectly makes sense. It's a nice way, a nice thing of restitution. So those were um, the injury to livestock cases, pretty much straightforward um, from the end of chapter twenty-one. So on to twenty-two. So we will group these cases as well, uh, 31 verses here. Um, the, the breaks are not quite as clean as they were in, the, in the chapter 21, but there is no real consensus among scholars on how these should be grouped. There are different groupings. Um, some people just take them all as individual cases, cover them all, uh, but, but I think they, they make sense. In, in some groupings. So we're still under the same headings. 
that God tells Moses to set these judgments before them. Uh, the uh, ESV says set these rules before them. It's the word for judgment. Um, they are case law. Uh, again, and so they are, they are cases that were likely cases that were brought to Moses that God addresses and then, and then lays out uh, the way that they should be handled. So here are our groups for tonight. The first one is cases involving stealing. First six verses. Next one, cases of care for the property of others. Well, you could group that first group in here, because if you're stealing, you're not caring for the property of others. So you could, you could group those together, but, but uh, there is a break there. there. There's some specific things about stealing that, that, that are worthy of talking about separate from this. Uh, cases about care for the disadvantaged. Cases of abominable practices deserving death. So notice the cases about care for disadvantaged on the screen. Uh, it's broken into two sections. It's like this abominable death, abominable practice things is inserted in the care for um, disadvantaged people. And fifthly, cases involving honoring our holy God. So, so when I read and I consider these things, and, and I think you will too. I, I just consider them very, very, very practical. Um, very the principles that that apply for us to live in peace with with one another. Applied to so the Israelites would live in peace with one another, and to have a society that was a well ordered society. And so these laws are are focused on those kind of things. All focused on, on, on number five, of course, cases involving honoring our holy God. All of these things. Right? That's how we, we honor God by obeying his word, living as he calls us to live. Um, and so we'll go right to the cases involving stealing. So first thing you'll notice here when I start reading is that you might notice it involves livestock that we just covered. It's, it's kind of like a transition verse from one thing to the other. Um, in, in fact, in the Hebrew Bible, this verse is in chapter 21. Um, it's, it, it's about animals, right? In the, in the Bible that you have, in our Christian Bibles, we put it in chapter 22. Because it covers both of the, both of the, it can be grouped with the stealing and it can be grouped with the, the animals, I think it's best in the place that, it, that we find it in your Bible um, because it lays out the principle, one of the principles for stealing right away. So while it does involve livestock, I think the emphasis has switched to this is about stealing. So, verse 1. If a man steals an ox or a sheep... So here's the general principle for, it, for if, you, if somebody steals. So if a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox. So stealing is not an eye for an eye crime. If you steal something, it's not enough to pay it back, right? So if you steal an ox, it's not enough to give the ox back. If you steal money, it's not enough to steal, to give the money back. If you steal a car, it's not enough to return the car. If you steal a pencil, it's not enough to return the pencil. So we saw the same thing last week. In the one, there was one case that mentioned stealing last week. Um, and here, here it is. 
Some of our Bibles, if you're, if you're reading it, might say, whoever kidnap, kidnaps. It really is, like it says in, in the ESV, it, it really is this word for steals. Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in, in possession of him, shall be put to death. So this is not eye for an eye. It is not, if I steal you, you get to steal me back. Right? If I steal one of your kids, it's not that you get to steal my kid back. This is a different thing. So the penalty for stealing a person is ramped up over what, what you would normally think of, of an eye for an eye. Right? It is, whether it's property, whether it's a person, stealing is ramped up. And why would that be? What, what is the deal with stealing? Well, it is a serious threat to an ordered society. It's a serious threat to us being able to live together in harmony if I steal from you or if you steal from me. And, we, and even if you only have to pay back what you stole, because there's, there's no disincentive, right, for stealing. If, if I steal from you, if I steal $100 from you, I just have to pay you $100 back. So, so it is a serious threat to an, an ordered, ordered society And so hold that thought. We'll get back to it in a little bit. But we'll go back to Exodus um, 22 um, and go on to verse 2. And if a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. So, So here's a general principle about somebody breaking into your house uh, at night. And you strike him, and he dies, and you are not guilty of a crime. You are not guilty of a sin. And the reason seems to be that at night, it's dark. You might have trouble telling that 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 person is a thief and not there to harm you. Right? So you may use deadly force, and this is, this is, again, the ground of many of the laws. Most states have what's called a castle law, where, where you're permitted to, to defend your home, and the, rain, the reasons are, are, differently, are different from state to state. But, but you can say this, that, that if you're, in most states, if you are under threat of life or harm, that you can use you can threaten or you can, you can use deadly force, right? Um, it's also similar to most stand-your-ground laws, except they're not dealing with your home necessarily. They might be, but they're not necessarily are. But, but a stand-your-ground law doesn't, doesn't say, if I come up and I, and I threaten you, that, that you can, I'm gonna, I can stand right here and shoot you. Right? It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that, that I can't, um, that, that I don't have to exercise due, due caution. Um, it is if you are under threat. Uh, in most states, it is that way. But again, this, this is the basis for, for those laws, for laws like that. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt blood guilt for him. So, what are we to make of that? So just because the sun comes up if somebody breaks into your house, that, that you, you no longer um, have the ability to defend yourself or defend, defend your family? Well, notice, notice what it, it says at the very beginning of this verse. If a thief is found breaking in, so in the daytime, you might be able to tell, right, if it's a thief or it's not a thief, if somebody's there to harm you or not there to harm you. But as soon as you can tell that the person's there not to harm you, we shouldn't use deadly force on that person. That's the point of this. Um, 
the principle that, that you can use force to pr- protect your family and your house, um, yourself. Um, yeah, I'm not sure in our state um, where that line is, and I'm not a lawyer and don't want to be one and don't pretend to be one. Um, but if we violate this, if we know in our heart that somebody has broken into our house and we know we're not at risk, we would have blood guilt before God, regardless of what the state law is, regardless of that. But the thief is not off the hook. I wish this, was, this, this would be a good place for a verse break um, to, to make it clear who, who we're talking about. He shall surely pay. That's the thief. The thief shall surely pay. If he is nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. So the thief is going to have to pay back what he steals plus. It's not going to be just what he stole. He's going to have to steal plus. So here's a way that a Hebrew might be sold into slavery. If you're stealing... You don't have any way uh, to pay it, and so you can sell yourself into slavery. So verse 4, if the stolen beast is found alive, remember at the beginning it was if, the, if he kills the beast or if he sells it. It's, it's five times or four times depending on if it's an ox or a sheep. But if the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay Double yet. So, in other words, he hasn't killed it yet. He hasn't sold it yet. He hasn't really treated it like he had control and ownership of it. That taken the, the the opportunity to do what you would normally do with a with an ox or a sheep or or a um, donkey in this case. Um, but but it's still not an eye for an eye case. Um, it's still more than the animal itself. And it is because stealing is a serious threat to an ordered society, which, which brings us to today, here, in our country, right now. Right? We have minimized the penalties for stealing. Uh, in many cases... Um, even just say, well, I mean, California is famous for things like this, but we're not going to, we're not going to pursue thefts of a, less than a thousand dollars unless they're in progress. So, in other words, if somebody steals from you a thousand dollars worth of stuff, don't worry about it. We're not going to investigate it. We're not going to. T- it's it and. Is it any wonder that businesses close in places like that? Is it any wonder that society erodes in places like that? So I'm not a, I'm not a pessimist by nature. I'm an optimist. But, but I think you, we can't help but see that and what that does um, to a society just by looking around. Uh, in most cases, this has nothing to do with the police, right? They would like to take care of these things. Uh, it is re- uh, politicians who make these decisions by the amount of funding they give to police departments, etc., letting people go with no penalties. And, again, it is no surprise that society deteriorates when that happens. These are here so that we can get along with each other, so that we can live with each other in peace, so that we can honor God with our lives. And so, in many other ways, society cannot cannot survive if we abandon laws. Don't forget that, that laws were made for lawbreakers. Right? Laws were not made for people who are loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving their neighbor as ourselves. All these things uh, are what laws are made for sinful people in a sinful world. 
So if a man causes a field or a vineyard to be grazed over, or lets his beast loose and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best in his own field and in his own vineyard. So, so why do I have this under stealing cases? I, I wouldn't normally have had done that except for a few years ago uh, talking to a rancher about somebody that had animals on his property from somebody else. And he just said, they're stealing grass. They're stealing grass from me. And so, the penalty is more than an eye for an eye. You give him the best of your land to repair for. If you are, you let your animal loose, and it goes and feeds on somebody else's land, it's not just that you have to pay for that grass. You give him the best of your land to, to graze. If a fire breaks out and catches in, catches in the thorns so that it's stacked, so that stacked grain or standing grain of the field is consumed, he who started the fire must make full restitution. So this is, again, basis for laws today. But by the way, did you know that, you know, Smokey Bear, right? Only you can prevent forest fires. Now it's wildfires. Only you can prevent wildfires. He should have told you this, Smokey. And if that fire gets away from you, you are responsible to pay the total cost of fighting that fire and to restore the property. And that is true. If, you, if your campfire starts a forest fire in the Black Hills and it burns, you're responsible to pay all the costs of fighting that fire, which will be millions of dollars. And you are responsible to pay for the damage to the property. Besides, that is, that is the law right now. So, watch our fires, right? So, which brings us to this, cases for care for the property of others, which that last one was, was, could have been put in this group as well. But um, the first is in verses 7 and 8. And if a man gives to his neighbor money or goods, to keep safe. So notice what this is and what it is not. If a man gives money or goods to you to keep safe, you're not bothering it. You're not borrowing it from him, right? He's giving it to you to keep it safe. And it is stolen from the man's house. So it's stolen from your house. Then if the thief is found, he shall pay double, right? Paying double, not eye for an eye. If the thief is not found, the owner of the house shall come near to God, so uh, probably maybe even appear before a priest, and show whether or not he has put his hand to a neighbor's property. Probably make a vow saying, no, I did not steal the man's property. Um, For And then, so the... um, the principle there is that um, that if somebody gives it to you to keep it, now you're supposed to keep it, and you would have to take a vow if for some reason you didn't, you have to, if you didn't steal it yourself, right? You're taking a vow that I didn't steal it, okay? So this is a, this is a principle explained, and this deals with a lot of cases after that, but for every Breach of trust, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep or a cloak or for any kind of thing lost of which one says, this is it. In other words, this is mine. It's mine. Okay? So if there's a dispute between parties, the case of both parties shall come before God. And the one whom God condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. So if, if two people are, are arguing over whether or not this is mine, this is mine. No, it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. They go before God, probably before the priest, who might use the, uh, the Urim and the Thummim uh, to decide. We don't know that. But the one that God condemns pays double, as if he stole it, for claiming that it was his. If a man gives to his neighbor, so this is very similar to the last, the other case, but in this case it involves a donkey or an ox instead of money or goods. 
If a man gives to his neighbor a donkey or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep safe, so you're not borrowing it, and it dies or is injured or is driven away without anyone seeing it, an oath, same kind of thing, by the Lord shall be between them both to see whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property, and the owner shall accept the oath. And he shall not make restitution. So the owner is to the owner of the property. If you swear that you didn't do it, the owner is to make restitution. But if he questions it, and um, then it falls under that verse ahead, we're going to go and we're going to make our cases before any breach of trust. We're going to make our cases before God, uh, probably before the priest. But on to. Um, the next thing, so this is about, this isn't the next case, this is following up. But it, if it is stolen from him, in other words, he loaned it to you for safekeeping. And it was stolen, but not by you. Right? It was actually stolen. He shall make restitution for his owner. He gave it to you to take care of, and you didn't take care of it. And so, it is... There you are required to pay it back. If it is torn by beasts, apparently this isn't considering something that, that is your fault, let him bring it as evidence and he shall make restitution for, he shall not make restitution for what has been torn. So if it gets eaten by a mountain lion, you're good, right? So... If a man borrows anything, this is a different category now. If a man borrows anything from his neighbor and it, it is injured or dies, the owner, not being with it, he shall make full restitution. So if you, borrow, if you are going to use something, so in most cases here it would be like, I want, I want to borrow your ox, okay? The ox is injured, it dies, I want to plow my field so that the ox dies, the owner isn't there, you make restitution for, make full restitution, it says, for that ox. But if the owner was there, if the owner was, was with it, you don't have to make restitution. Because the, the owner was there in its presence, sees that it's not abused, could have corrected it if you were using it um, incorrectly, and so you're not responsible if the owner is with you. So um, just think of, you know, borrowing power tools from somebody. If you take it and you break it, you need to pay for it, right? If you take it and the owner's there, you don't pay for it. You're not required to pay for it. So a few years ago, I, this was not even thinking about this stuff. I, I don't remember what it was. I talked to my brother and I would ask me, so are you going to borrow that? He did, something he didn't have and he needed. Are you going to borrow that from somebody? He said, in fact, I, I have one. He said, no, I don't, I'm not going to borrow it unless I'm ready to pay for it. So whenever you borrow something, just think about that. That you should be ready to pay for it if, if it breaks while you're using it. So that's the principle here. That's the way, and that's, a, that's an example of real, of real biblical thinking. Another place I wish there was a, a verse break was right here, because it's a different thing. And if it was hired, so if you rented it, okay, the rent includes um, possible breakage. And businesses cover themselves nowadays, right, by saying, well, you can do normal wear and tear, but if something really breaks, you still have to pay for it. So, um, but that's the principle. So care, cases about care for the disadvantaged. And again, the first couple of verses here, um, you could make this a case on it, its own. It, it, is, it is a case of premarital sexual relations. So there are a number of other passages that address things like this, but... but Here's one. If a man seduces a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, so she's not engaged, he shall give the bride price for her and make her his wife. 
So that's not an ideal thing, right? So that's, that's the way that, that Israel's society was to be ordered. And if her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the bride price for virgins, which if you go to the Deuteronomy passage, it, it's 50, 50 shekels of silver that you would pay. And Deuteronomy adds that in this case, if you marry her, you can never divorce her for any reason, basically. So, so that is, um, again, marriage designed for a man and a woman in a covenant relationship. That's what sexual relations are designed for. There are many other cases. Uh, we're going to skip over Deuteronomy cases that cover another, another I mean, situation. Uh, but that's the the general principle is that that in sexual relations are meant for a marriage relationship right and not outside of a marriage relationship and there are consequences um, when it is outside of that relationship okay cases of abominable practices deserving death so there are three of them here very short right in a row you shall not permit a sorceress to live. So this is talking about witchcraft. So is that an abominable practice? So people would say we have sorcerers around today, right? So people practicing witchcraft. And we have those Salem witch trials in our background where people probably weren't really witches, but... but Here's what it says in Deuteronomy. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of these nations. So there's where that term comes from in the, in the grouping. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or daughter as an offering. So that's pretty abominable, right? Who practices divination or tells fortunes, or interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or a charmer, or a medium, or a necromancer, or one of the one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. So certainly, um, that is the case. And in Israel... Uh, that was the case. We live in a different place. We're a different kind of God's people. We don't have a land that is ours here on earth. The United States is not a Christian nation. The United States is not a theistic nation. This was for them. But, but the point is still the same. Right? This is an abominable practice that we should have nothing to do with as believers um, with anything regarding magic, witchcraft, those kind of things. Whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. That's pretty clearly an abomination, right? Whoever sacrifices to any god other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction, so now we go back to the cases of the care for the disadvantaged, uh, verses 21 through 27. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. And you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. So, so this is a category of people that, that God often refers to. These three together. A sojourner, a widow, an orphan. And we are not just to not mistreat them, we're to care for them. And we are to love them because God loves them. Here, here's, what, here's what he says in, in Deuteronomy. For the Lord your God is a is a God of gods and a Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. 
He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. So we'll just touch on that one thing for a minute. So what is a sojourner? A sojourner is someone who comes to live among you who is from another place or another country um, and comes to live about among you semi-permanently or permanently. Um, and so there are lots of things, you know, in, in Sioux Falls we hear lots of comments about, you know, Sioux Falls isn't like it used to be. Just look around. Um, so we might... We might lament the, the, the downfall or the breakdown of our society. We might lament that we don't have order like we used to do. We might lament what our kids are being taught in school. But we should never lament immigrants coming to Sioux Falls. Uh, a few years ago, Pastor Terry was, was talking about this topic a little bit regarding immigrants in, in Sioux Falls and basically said, you know, this is an opportunity to share the gospel. People coming from all over the world to share the gospel who probably, if they had not come, would never hear it. Right? In many cases, that would be the, ca- that would be the case. So, people who are here, we don't know how they got here, why they got here, but they're here. God loves them. And we are to love them. Where they are. Here. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with a sword and your wives shall become widows and your children shall become fatherless. So God is serious about treating sojourners and widows and orphans well, not oppressing them. Now, the next case, if you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him, and you shall not exact interest from him. In other words, Hebrew people were not to loan their money at interest to other Hebrew people. Simple principle there, right? We don't, if we loan money to somebody, Jesus takes that farther. You know, not only should we not... If we loan money, not only should we not charge interest, we should really treat it like this. We don't expect to get it back. That's the way Jesus says. Loan without expecting to get it returned. Loan money without expecting. If you get it returned, that's a bonus, right? So loan without interest. Jesus says loan without even expecting to get it back. If you ever take your neighbor's cloak in pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. Um, For that is his only covering. So this is somebody who puts up collateral, a coat, because it was a valuable thing. But if you loaned it, if you um, loaned him money and he didn't have his coat, how could he sleep? That's what it says. How is he going to be able to stay warm? And if he cries to me, I will hear him, for I am compassionate. Which brings us to the last section. Um, Just a few verses, cases involving honoring our holy God. You shall not revile, or you shall not curse God, nor curse a ruler of your people. Uh, Pretty clear why we shouldn't curse God. Why shouldn't we curse our elected officials? Because they are appointed by God as his authority on earth. You shall not delay to offer from the fullness of your harvest and from the outflow of your presses the firstborn of your sons, and you shall give to me. You shall do the same with your oxen and your sheep. Seven days it will be with with its mother, and on the eighth day, you shall give it to me. In other words, if something is dedicated to God or is to be given to God, render under God the things that are God's on time. And the big reason for that is the more you hold on to something, 
The longer you hold on to something, the more precious it becomes to you. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so, if we hold back our offering that we're going to give later, right, we might be tempted to hold on to it. Um, and so, we are to store up treasure in heaven rather than on earth. Last verse. You shall be consecrated to me. Therefore, you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. We know that, that, that the Jews have many food laws. Um, and it is so that people will think of God at all times. And, and notice what it's there. And here's the big point. The big point is be holy for I am holy. Um, so a real good literal translation of this, what is said at the beginning of this, you shall be consecrated to me. You shall be holy people to me. Or, more literal and following the word order that's in the Hebrew, men of holiness or people of holiness, you shall be to me. You shall be holy People set apart from everybody else. That's the purpose of Israel's food laws. And we know that 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 has been, they have been done away with. Right? Arise, Peter, kill and eat. But the principle is still there. That we are to be a holy people. Set apart. That call has not changed. So let's... um, Let's get ready to close with our, with our hymn. I'll pray. Um, but these are just really practical lessons with modern, with, with today's application. So, Father, thank you for your word to us. We pray that, that we would be faithful in, in following your commandments, your purposes in giving these, these rules these judgments. We pray that we would be disciples of you, following closely your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.